What comes to mind for you when you think about the cross? Just take a minute to think about that question just for yourself. What kind of words, what ideas, what feelings, what images come up for you when you think about the cross? Maybe for some of you, the cross makes you think about things like hope or forgiveness. Maybe the cross fills you with a sense of God's love for you. Maybe it reminds you of God's grace. The cross has become a really well-known religious symbol in our world, right? Images of the cross are painted on greeting cards. They're sculpted into jewelry. You can find crosses hung up in churches, in artwork in people's homes. You can find crosses printed on mugs, tattooed onto people's bodies. We're really familiar with this image of the cross and what it means in our Christian tradition. And yet, in the words of Fleming uh, Fleming Rutledge, the cross is the most irreligious, unspiritual object to ever make its way into the heart of faith. In Jesus' time, crucifixion was a method of torture that was used by the Romans to execute criminals who were considered to be the scum of the earth. Physical torture was just the beginning of what criminals were subjected to during crucifixion, Crucifixion was a humiliating way to die. It was a shameful way to die. It was a dehumanizing way to die. On that first Good Friday 2,000 years ago, things like hope and love would have been some of the last things to come to mind for people when they thought about the cross. Instead, anguish, Despair, confusion, and disbelief would have been just a few of the things kind of reverberating through the chest of Jesus' followers as they were forced to come face to face with the reality of his crucifixion. To them, Jesus' death didn't only represent the loss of their rabbi and friend, somebody they knew well, somebody they had been spending day in and day out with for the last three years, somebody who they learned from, somebody who they loved deeply. It also represented a loss of hope, a shattering of dreams. They'd given their entire lives to follow Jesus, They believed that Jesus was the Messiah, that God was doing something new and exciting and amazing in the world through him and that they were getting to be a part of it. But as far as anyone was concerned in Jesus' time, if there was anything in the world that would have completely disproved the possibility that Jesus was the Messiah, it was his death on the cross. The Messiah wasn't supposed to die, and he certainly wasn't supposed to die in the most shameful way possible, on a Roman cross. To Jesus' first disciples, there wasn't anything good about that first Good Friday. So what happened 
What happened on the cross that transformed that symbol of shame into a symbol of hope? What happened on the cross that took a Roman execution device and transformed it into a symbol of freedom? When the disciples looked back on the crucifixion after Christ had had risen from the dead, when they saw how this event fit into the bigger picture of what God was doing in the world through Jesus, how did they come to make sense of it? Well, in order to grasp the good news that the cross carries with it, we need to take an honest look at the bad news that the cross exposes. See, the cross always tells the truth. The cross tells the truth about something that we all know is true, but that we don't like to stare in the face. It tells the truth about the fact that we are broken people living in a broken world. That since Genesis 3, when humanity turned away from God and sin entered the world, there's been a fracture in our relationships with God and with each other and with the world and even with ourselves. Things are not as they should be. And there's evidence of this all around us, right? We see this. We see this in oppression, in injustice. We see it in greed and in violence. We see it in suffering and sickness and death. But it's not only around us. It's also within us. You know, we're all so prone to selfishness. We all do things that hurt others and tear apart relationships. We all struggle with different weaknesses. We all face failures. We all fall short of being the people that God made us to be. And so often we try to deny that or justify it or to to cover it up and hope nobody notices. But the cross tells the truth about how things really are. We're broken people living in a broken world, and we don't have the strength or the power to fix ourselves. And yet, that's not the only truth that the cross tells. In fact, that's just the beginning. The overwhelming message of the cross is that even when we were at our very worst, even when we had turned away from him, God wasn't willing to leave us behind or abandon us. Instead, in love, he gave up everything to come after us. The cross tells us the truth about God's unending faithfulness. The cross tells the truth about God's extravagant love. The cross tells the truth about how far God was willing to go to set us free from the power of sin and death and to make a way for us to experience new life, real life, eternal life with him forever. On the cross, Jesus showed us a love that was willing to enter into our suffering. In the events leading up to the crucifixion, as we just heard, Jesus endured some of the most painful aspects of what it means to be human. He was betrayed. He was misunderstood. He was rejected. He was abused. He was abandoned by the people that he loved. The cross reminds us that we don't have a God who's distant and disengaged when we go through hard times. 
Instead, we have a God who came close, who entered into our humanity, who was vulnerable. We have a God who knows what it's like to suffer and who's with us when we're going through hard times. On the cross, Jesus showed us a love that was willing to forgive. As he was being crucified, Jesus was subjected to the worst of our human impulses. He was beaten, he was mocked, he was spit on, he was treated like he was less than human. He was hung on a cross between two criminals. And yet the words that came out of his mouth in response to everything that was done to him weren't words of condemnation or judgment. Instead, they were words of forgiveness. As he hung on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them, for they don't know, don't know what they're doing. The cross reminds us that there's no sin that cannot be forgiven. There's nothing we can do that puts us outside of the reach of God's grace. We threw our very worst at Jesus on the cross. And the only thing that he gave us in response was love. And on the cross, Jesus showed us a love that was powerful enough to overcome. Scripture tells us that on the cross, Jesus took our sin and our shame upon himself. The Gospel of John says that right before he died, Jesus said these three words It is finished. It is finished. And those three simple words, those three words that are so common and familiar to us when they come from Jesus' lips as he's hanging on the cross, declare something too big and too powerful and too mysterious for us to even really begin to fully comprehend. That in that moment, as Jesus breathed his last breath, everything that God had sent him to do had been completed. The price had been paid. The power of sin and evil had been defeated. Death had been overcome by death. Salvation had been won for all people. Erwin McManus describes the cross as the place where tragedy and beauty come together and can never be separated. In the moment in history that seemed to be filled with the most despair, hope was breaking into the world in a whole new way. In our greatest act of violence, God was carrying out his greatest act of love. Right when it seemed like evil had won, it was actually being defeated once and for all. In the death of Jesus, God was disarming the power of death so that we could experience new life. What seemed like the end for Jesus' first disciples, what felt like a loss of hope, what felt like shattered dreams was the very thing that God used to set the world right once and for all. On the cross, we see the incredible power of God's inexhaustible love 
to overcome everything that once held us in bondage and kept us apart from him. And in the cross, we find our hope and our freedom to live in all of the fullness of God's kingdom. We're going to share in communion together this morning, but we, uh, before we do that, I want to invite you to just listen to these words. I'm going to read uh, Paul's words from Romans 8, verses 35 to 39. I just want to invite you as we spend this time reflecting on the cross to, to just focus on what Paul says here about Jesus' love and how it relates uh, to you um, and what he did for us on the cross. So Romans 8, verses 35 to 39. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us.